P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I don't know what that voice was at the end there. <laughs> I'm just practicing some uh, different <laughs> intonations, you know, <laughs> see what okay. people respond to. Okay. Welcome yes. to the podcast. We're really Back excited. on Delilah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh this episode's gonna be good i can tell already we're both slap happy i watched this movie like three weeks ago i could barely remember what happened in it it's good. wow uh, but it's exciting i mean it's the first movie of 2019 we're reviewing and yes. it's it's a new year it's new stuff new we're getting excited Yes, yeah, exactly, Matt. I'm glad you recognize that. But um, I does anyone have any good news, good things to say about us? I mean, oh yeah, hopefully. oh yeah. I have I have a review. Should I should I oh, also? Sure. Re- are we doing weird voices? Should I weird it in a weird sultry <laughs> yeah. voice? Yeah, do your newscaster impression. <laughs> Jen Holt said, "No, no, you're wrong." <laughs> Wait, I can't. You can't uh, scratch that. No record. Okay. Full stop. <laughs> Um, (laughs) okay she says i love when i'm listening to this and start talking like i'm part of the conversation shelby (laughs) loves the office so i think she's amazing i don't understand this we talked about this like twice in an episode and it just keeps coming back shelby please give the meg another chance well, <laughs> Shelby. Okay. <laughs> you going to rewatch the Meg? I mean, I was looking at my 2018 list and the Meg is fairly high, mostly cuz I saw so much garbage movies over the course of the year, but I mean, it's probably higher than Jurassic World too, so. Oh, that's well, like a win. yeah, that doesn't take much effort. <laughs> well, I I sort of have a feeling cuz I was also looking at my list and I bet the Meg is higher on yours than it is on mine despite <laughs> the fact that you didn't like it. So, yeah, anyways, probably. back to the review. Matt's oh, yeah. love of reality TV still is insane, but I can forgive him because he's <laughs> hilarious. Thanks for telling Aww. us what not to watch. Ah. <laughs> So sweet. Oh, what and then love nice this podcast. Review. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that because it basically still managed to insult you while also like highlighting you. You know what I mean? It's like you love reality TV, but I guess nobody's perfect, you know, except Shelby. I'll have you know that, that no, because you didn't like the Meg. Remember, that was also <laughs> in this view. A Big Brother Celebrity 2 is is going along very well at this point, and I am quite oh. enjoying it. Oh, wow. I'm so glad to hear that. I was really nervous. I was worried it wouldn't be that entertaining. But <laughs> They have a treadmill so pool really in the backyard cool. for Ryan Lochte. So, because, uh, okay, cool. he, big news. Did you know that he was trying, he's trying out for the Olympics again? Oh, wow. Like he's, big I Brother know. is just the logical first step to that. I, I, I know. He's like, I'm training for the 2020 Olympics. I was like, bro, you're old. Like, you can quit now. He has 12 mm-hmm. medals. 12 you don't need to go yeah, back he's probably 12. just saying that to look cool in front of the housemates you know house guests shelby house people use the correct <laughs> term house guests that's what they're called on the house show guests. so thank you yeah well that's exciting for him i hope he makes it so we can have another 
story of drunken ass yeah. antics, you know. Unfortunately, there are Hoorah. cameras in the house all the time, so we can't say that he got kidnapped. But uh, <laughs> if you have comments on Ryan Lochte oh, yeah. or Big Brother Celebrity 2 or Shelby's poor taste in movies, you can <laughs> leave us reviews things, on yeah. Apple Podcast, or you can follow us on social media and just mm-hmm. comment on all of our posts. Yes. Which yes, Instagram, Twitter, and sometimes Facebook. At I find the wrong. posts fairly entertaining, so I hope that you will as well. That is so sweet. I'm always so like touched when you give a sincere compliment. It just like it, it just gives me a little bit to go off of. You know, <laughs> I'm like, man, Matt actually does like me. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But let's get into stuff this week because I feel like there was a little bit of um, there was some juicy stuff to get into finally. So uh, why don't you start us off? Do you have um, something? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am so (laughs) excited. So it was announced. (laughs) If this is a Big Brother update, we already did that. Okay. (laughs) No, this is this is more important than a Big Brother update. Anne Hathaway this week came out. And said that they are working on a Princess Diaries 3 and that Julie Andrews wants to be involved. So for all of you Princess Diaries stands out there like myself, this is like top of the pile. Good news. (laughs) Okay, so follow up question, though. Is it going to be like Little Mermaid 2 where it's like she's the mom of a new princess? You know what I mean? Like, is it or is it just going to be about a middle aged queen? You know what I mean? Uh, Anne Hathaway's not middle aged. She's <laughs> in like her 30s. How old is she? Are you sure? Okay. But you know what I mean? It's like, what? Like, is it going to be like a Kate Middleton inspired? Like, oh, look at me. I'm a I queen. Could, or like, I could see. You know, what'll be the tension? I mean, I could see a baby plotline in this movie easy but i don't think that it's like they can't she's not old enough to have a main character who's a daughter in the thing you know what i mean (laughs) it's not like she's gonna have a 12 year old yeah yeah no it's true i was waiting for her to say that chris pine is also attached but alas she did not say that and so i'm sort of like can it ever be perfect you know but let's be real what has chris pine been in recently (laughs) he like he's slipping into bad tv so i'm pretty sure that he would be fine to be on princess diaries 3 chris pine is on an upward trajectory i mean he was in wonder woman people are ranking him as like one of the top chrises like we even addressed this on an episode matt he is a hot chris like he is the it you know yeah but like what okay so he had a side <laughs> character role in wonder woman he was not the titular wonder woman who was it he was just okay. like the yeah. boyfriend or whatever and then he was in that netflix yeah. show where he was like a king or whatever that did poorly now he's on some other show mm-hmm. that i think mm-hmm. is getting bad reviews it's also a tv show mm-hmm. has he been mm-hmm. like the headliner of a movie recently <laughs> that you can name that was successful I, I don't know you know you're putting me on the spot it's hard to say it's hard it's hard to say you know but i'm just saying, i mean he had the star trek didn't movies but that's, so we'll see <laughs> yeah i think if they come to him and are like hey do you want to be in this movie he's gonna say yes right the bigger question for me is whether or not lily moskovitz is gonna be back in this one because she was only like half in number <laughs> two she and doing? she's what has she yeah been but see doing, she has the know? opposite thing where like she could like have a real life now and be like i don't want to be back in acting where chris pine oh, is thirsty right, for a role right, right. you know 
Okay. Disrespect to Chris Pine aside, I think we're both excited to see where this goes. So that's good news. It's good news. And Anne Hathaway, you know, she needed some good press after Serenity has crashed. I haven't seen it, but I am excited to. I am so excited (laughs) to see that movie. Pretty crazy. Did you see um, it yet? I have some good gossip. No, no, no. I just read some. I just read a review that really just like shocked me. Where? Oh yeah. I just had no. Oh yeah. I had no idea that's where it was going. I I can't wait. I can't wait. I don't think I'll see it, but hopefully you enjoy it. Okay. (laughs) Enjoy the ride. But um, this is right up my alley. There's a rumor going around, so. Taylor Swift. Oh, gosh. Well, let's back up. So Kim Kardashian was on Watch What Happens Live with her sisters. Okay. And someone asked about Taylor Swift drama. And she was like, oh, you know, I feel like we've all moved on. But admitted they hadn't spoken or whatever. Suddenly, there's this rumor that because Taylor Swift signed with Universal Records and Universal, who owns Universal Records, also owns E-Network, that they mediated like this. (laughs) I don't know. They had to put down their arms, basically. And they told Kim Kardashian and the Keeping Up with the Kardashian team that they couldn't talk trash about taylor swift anymore so i don't know it's a juicy bit of gossip i don't know if it's true i kind of doubt it's there's no way it's funny to imagine that is utterly (laughs) ridiculous because if anything (laughs) universal would want that drama to ramp back up i mean that is clearly like selling it's selling the tv show it's selling the the concert tickets like taylor can write songs about it i don't think that they want to squash this if anything i'm surprised that they didn't like force (laughs) taylor swift to go on an episode of keeping up with the kardashians (laughs) well because i mean a possibility if we're talking about the perception people have of taylor being a very much controlling maybe she made that part of her agreement was like i don't want kim kardashian to ever say my name again and they like just you know it's just interesting to think who does universal value more you know (laughs) oh uh, that's a tough one i think i would say the kardashians that's a (laughs) they probably do currently i mean they make more money now right but i don't know i don't know the politics of universal and stuff but that has been going around the gossip sites and because i sort of feel like taylor swift i mean no disrespect but is sort of like (laughs) seen her best days oh we don't have to unpack this now but the <laughs> argument is that she's a new artist for them so it would make sense for their loyalties true. to lie with a family yeah. that's been on their network for a decade but we'll see if they ever if they ever bring up her name then we'll know that this was all oh my a gosh lie. yeah well <laughs> we'll wait i'm sure it won't be long yeah i'll bring i'll probably mention it if it if it comes okay up. cool 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 so um <laughs> Another debacle that happened this week, which I found endlessly entertaining. Did you watch the Rent live performance? <laughs> no, I avoid those so as much as possible. Yeah. I just can't stand Yeah, them. I mean, I didn't watch it either. But I heard, <laughs> I read a bunch of articles about it. Because I guess that in the dress rehearsal, one of the main characters like broke his foot. And so he was in a wheelchair yeah. for the actual show. So they couldn't, and they 
stupidly had like no stand in so they just ran like the previous night's dress rehearsal and thought like that that was gonna be fine but Mm -hmm. i guess it was not that great but then during (laughs) but they have a live audience in the studio so they had to actually do something like in the space (laughs) even if it wasn't televised and so they basically just ran rent with one of the characters in a wheelchair like not (laughs) like they had to like just change the choreography on the fly Yeah. yeah and i I was like, why did they not air that? That would have been so much more interesting to watch. Yes. And I heard that the problem is, you know, when you're doing a dress rehearsal, you don't give it your all like vocally because you're preserving your voice. So I heard a lot of them weren't doing so well and they were kind of flat. But it's crazy because they surprised everyone at the end by having the original cast come out and sing Seasons of Love with them. So it's like there was literally a guy who knew the role backwards and forwards like there who could have at least you know tried stepping in or i mean it's rent everyone knows that musical someone in la could have been brought on to do an emergency like (laughs) join the cast and they had a million like background dancer people like you're telling me that (laughs) one of them wasn't like primed and ready for this spot Yeah, one of them probably broke his ankle on purpose. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, all they needed to say was whisper James Corden once and he would have been there in costume, (laughs) ready to go. Him and Lynn both. (laughs) That would have been amazing. I honestly would have loved to watch Rent with James Corden in the role. Don't speak that that. into the world because it will happen. (laughs) He will do it. He's all listening and he just shows up everywhere. It's like what my name. He's yeah, a menace to society. That one. <laughs> Remember when he was in um, Ocean's Eight, like in the Applebee's or whatever with her? I was like, ugh, <laughs> kill me. You like almost walked out. Yeah, yeah, just about. Well, speaking of menaces to society, um, Pete Davidson. He's been on some sort of comedy tour, making well, he has a movie coming out. Weird jokes. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, oh, that's part of it. But these are these have been jokes he's made while doing um, his comedy sets but he he's been talking a lot about his relationship basically and how he's sort of frustrated that ariana grande told everyone that his dick was huge and like made a comment that said it was like 10 inches or whatever (laughs) when they were together and then after they broke up she mentioned it in like thank you next video and stuff so she's painted this image that (laughs) he has this huge dick and he was talking about how he's really frustrated by it because now whenever a girl dates him they'll just be disappointed and i just thought if she if she did that like on purpose you know like she was just trying to get a knife in his side on the way out that's pretty devious you know it's pretty funny because it's it seems like a compliment until you really start to unpack it you know (laughs) what are these theories no she did not come up with this she said it while they were dating that was like a very long right like a long con on her part to think like okay i'm dating this guy but if i break up with him i want i'm just saying now that she reckon now that she has that in her arsenal you know she can just like make mention of it whenever she feels like it and he's screwed by it you know over and over again just these comments she makes feeds this idea of his big dick energy and then now it just shadows him for the rest of his life you know that's how he feels that's his true feelings you know I'm reporting on real information. Pete Davidson and Ariana both just need to leave. I'm tired of them both. (laughs) 
Jones. <laughs> yeah. I'm not excited for I her mean, weird album. I don't need oh, to listen to no, musical you remixes. No, you do a whole episode about it. <laughs> I'll have to look at the calendar, but I'm sure that there's something else coming out that week that's more pressing. Well, Matt, I mean... You have been flipping and flopping on a lot lately. So, <laughs> on what? Think, um, well, if we're going to get into it, we are talking about Glass today. And you and I had the pleasure of seeing this movie together. It's like the first movie we've ever seen together. And we went while you were in town yes, with my husband. That's true. And we walked out of the theater, mm-hmm. and you and I both realized that we both liked this movie. Uh-huh. And now you're telling me you feel differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, okay. You chickened How out. How am I going to PR spin this? Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, and I had very low expectations, I feel like, going into this movie. I watched the lady mm. in the village or whatever the heck that lady movie. In the lady water. in the water. Yes. I've, <laughs> I've also seen the village. The village wasn't bad. Lady in the water. I saw that recently. Hated it. And I don't re- particularly remember loving either Split or Unbreakable, which I've seen. And so I was kind of going into this one thinking like, okay, like, oh, this is going to be bad. And it wasn't <laughs> terrible. And I did enjoy watching it. But then... After the movie, your husband was like bringing up all of these plot holes. <laughs> and then upon like the several weeks since I s- saw it and then reviewing mm-hmm. it again today <laughs> for the podcast, I was like, oh, you know what? I think this movie does have some gaping holes <laughs> in it that maybe I should recognize. Oh, man. You know? You let the, you let the critics get to you, man. <laughs> You're just... Uh- <laughs> He chickened out. Um, he cowtailed it and ran. Well, okay, it's just okay. A shame, a travesty. Oh my gosh! I thought for once, I thought for once we'd have a movie we agreed on <laughs> to review with this podcast. I but mean, now it's like I don't hate it. <laughs> I just like it less than I did previously. <laughs> it's been a slowly, slow yeah. leak of me liking it, and so okay. probably by the end of the year I'll hate it. But what w- we shall see. <laughs> I mean, have you seen? Did you see the? previous two movies unbreakable and split yeah so i saw split basically so my relationship with m night Shyamalan has been through the ringer as it has for all people yes um i (laughs) i mean i saw the classics and then he kind of fell apart with like after earth and um avatar uh, (laughs) yeah well, he like came out with Sixth Sense, which was obviously a right. huge hit. And then you had right. Signs and Unbreakable and even mm-hmm. The Village, which I feel like mm-hmm. people liked in general. And then you got yeah, to this bad yeah. string. There's been like six bad movies in a row. <laughs> really poisonous. Yeah. And so actually my husband and I wound up seeing The Visit when it came out because people were like, this is actually pretty good. And we were both kind of not into it. It's pretty weird. But then when Split came out, everyone again was like, hey this is actually pretty good and it manages to pull off a major twist. And so we watched it. It does? I love James McAvoy. What was the twist? Yeah. That it exists in the world (laughs) of Unbreakable. Oh. Matt, hello. That was like the big plot twist was like i guess sort of this is a sequel yeah okay well that's what everyone was saying that's what everyone was saying okay yeah yeah but um so i had enjoyed it but it wasn't like as good as everyone had made me believe so i kind of feel like i'm just jaded about Shyamalan. but then 
when I went to see this, again, low expectations. And I actually hadn't been able to get through Unbreakable because it was really like slow and boring and I just didn't care. And Bruce Willis like doesn't work for me. But watching Glass, for whatever reason, I enjoyed it. And I accepted its flaws and leaps of logic because I liked and appreciated what he was doing. And it it just worked for me. So I mean, yeah, I guess uh, it'll be interesting to talk about it now because most people fall into your camp. Well, actually, they fall into Rob's camp, which is just hating it outright. Like it has I think 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, but it has a 76% audience. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That it is, I think that there is a split, wink, wink, (laughs) in uh, audience reception. I know. (laughs) Just wait for it because I'm sure that there's going to be more split slash glass slash unbreakable. (laughs) They're alive. Okay, never mind. Um, I saw Split without having seen Unbreakable. And when the twist or whatever came at the end, I was so confused. I was like, who is, what is Bruce Willis (laughs) doing here? What is this movie? What is Mr. Glass? Like, I do not get this reference at all. Then I went back and watched Unbreakable and liked it a lot more than I liked Split. Split, I feel like is, I don't know. I mean, the, it's a horror movie. So I'm like sort of into it that way. But the fact that there, if, I don't know. The split personalities for me are like sort of weird and I couldn't really get into them. And then the whole part about like, oh, you have to say his name and then he rela- like goes back into his right. normal self and he's superhuman. And the people with these split personalities like have these weird like abilities to do strange things in their different body. Form- I was like, OK, yeah, yeah, this is a lot for me. <laughs> but I liked Unbreakable because it was sort of yeah. like a pared down superhero story. And Glass is again kind of a superhero story so i I guess like just Mm -hmm. to do a quick recap of what glass is about uh james mcavoy's character who is the horde i guess he's Mm -hmm. a bunch he has has a split personality disorder so he has lots of different characters coming in but one of them is called Mm -hmm. the beast who's like this evil bad guy who eats girls and so he kidnaps (laughs) these girls bruce willis girls but yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. In the first <laughs> movie, though, he eats he eats one of the girls right. or two yeah, of them. He attacks innocence. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Bruce Willis's character from Unbreakable is this guy who like sort of is unbreakable and can't be like beat up or whatever, except for the fact that he has a weakness for die. water. Yeah, which is right. a plot twist. But if he also if he like touches somebody he can sort of see their past so he decides Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go out on the street to this area that i think the beast is located in just start touching random people and hope that i can find him because the beast has these (laughs) cheerleaders locked up Mm -hmm. that's that's correct so far yes (laughs) yeah yeah so then somehow or another the cops (laughs) show up with a giant lighting apparatus mid fight between the beast and bruce willis and light somehow or another if it's bright enough shocks the beast back into one of his other personalities Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. they both get taken to this like hospital slash prison, except for the fact that we it's don't like a psych. Yeah, it's like a psych ward. Except yeah. for like, why is Bruce Willis arrested? I'm still unclear on that point. Well, because he's a vigilante who is. I mean, so okay. Yeah, but what exactly <laughs> did he do? You know. Well, so that's the thing is that he was like he was arrested one because he's a vigilante and that's illegal, FYI. So um, okay, they're given this doctor 
played by Sarah Paulson, is given three days to kind of cure them because this is her quote unquote specialty is people who suffer from this delusion of superheroism. And so that is the concept is that she gets three days with them in the psych hospital before the state decides what to do with them or whatever. And she is trying to convince them that everything they think they are capable of is just a psycho like error in their brain makeup or whatever at the same hospital is mr glass from unbreakable played by samuel l jackson who has kind of become comatose from the drugs they're giving him to kind of help take care of him or whatever so that's how the whole story begins and mr glass doesn't have a superpower he's just really smart and then also has bones that shatter really easily (laughs) yeah yeah so he's not unbreakable (laughs) but (laughs) um (laughs) so the thing with this movie though and i think it's important that we just say this straight away so we don't have to kind of dance around it but okay is this spoilers are we getting into spoilers yeah the spoilers matter like you can't talk about this movie without talking about spoilers so if you haven't seen it and you care like this isn't the right episode well it's an m night Shyamalan movie so there is a twist a couple of them actually in this movie (laughs) yeah and there's a lot and it's layered and so This is a spoiler alert, but honestly, I think even if you haven't seen the movie, you can still enjoy the discussion because it it turns out to be quite a crazy ride. (laughs) Yes, it does. Because... uh, You go... I I can't... I don't even know where to begin with the spoilers. (laughs) You you, you describe this. Okay. So basically, this movie is fairly long and it's fairly slow. Like Unbreakable, it's really like set on like you know, Earth. It's like not trying to be bigger than it is. It's very slow paced. It's kind of character driven. There's a lot of monologuing. And so you have these three characters who are in the system with Sarah Paulson's doctor. And then on the outside, you have Mr. Glass's mom. You have Casey from Split, who's the girl who survived and kind of connected with the um, original like personality. Well, yeah, she was kidnapped. By James yeah. McAvoy, and then yeah. he released her at the end of the movie, and so right. now she has this weird like connection with him where she feels bad, which is point number one of weirdness in this movie. Because like, if someone kidnapped you, even if they let you go later, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh yes, I have so such fond memories. Like, let me go visit them in their psycho <laughs> hospital. Well, right. I can agree to some point. It's especially weird because this movie technically takes place just a couple or a few weeks after Split. Yeah. So it should all be very fresh. And like she saw her friends being eaten, eaten by yeah, him, by this character. But the point, the reason she wasn't affected by, she wasn't chosen to be eaten by the horde was because the beast was because she had been, she had felt pain. She had been broken through her life because it turns out she'd been sexually molested by her uncle. And so the whole idea of Split is that um, she can connect to Kevin, the the host, because he too was abused as a child. And that's why he developed these personalities. And it's why one of the personalities entire mission is to destroy the like pure untainted, like people who haven't felt pain and protect those broken ones. So they do have this sort of connection that isn't just like, oh, that was a fun experience. You know, it was like, right. there's this idea that there's a, 
she commiserates with him being like this injured boy who never got help. And so he, she wants to help Kevin, not, you know, the beast. Well then, well, so then, yeah. So then the long part of the movie (laughs) is like the three of them are in the hospital. They're talking to each other. They're talking to uh, the Sarah Paulson character, the psychologist. They're talking to their, like each of them has their little counterpart friend who comes and visits them and also talks to Sarah Paulson. But then you realize at a certain point that, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Glass, is an evil mastermind and is basically planning to break all three of them out of this mental institute so that the Beast can fight Bruce Willis on top of this huge new skyscraper that's being built in Philadelphia and prove to the world that superheroes exist. And so he he does break the Beast out and Bruce Willis also breaks out but surprise surprise they don't get past the driveway of the <laughs> mental institute yeah and so this is i think where i mean from what i read like the critics were kind of <laughs> split on, on how this worked because it's sort of like a lot of people and this is i think why i appreciated it is we you expect superhero movies to follow a certain pattern now because we've had so many right. Marvel, we've had so many DC, and you expect the big showdown on a skyscraper where tons of people are at risk and the stakes are so high and the explosions are big and there's just insane proof of like crazy talents. But instead, they just end up stuck in this in this parking lot, kind of duking it out with just each other, and then with the cops trying to stop them and all this stuff. And so it just felt like this really like down to earth sort of superhero movie that became a commentary on our expectations uh, and obsession with these superhero films. Well, that's kind of you to say that. But also the movie only had a $20 million budget. So they really couldn't do a skyscraper fight scene. They could do a parking lot fight scene. But I don't think he would have wanted to do. That's like, that's the point. It's like Shyamalan's whole thing. It's like he's always trying to say something, right? So it's disingenuous to try and be like, oh, if he'd had more money, he would have done the showdown because I don't think that's true at all they also can't do the skyscraper fight scene because of the next twist which is that there is a secret illuminati society whose (laughs) whole goal is to like rid the world of these people who are actual superheroes and sarah paulson Mm -hmm. is in this society and so she had three days to kind of convince them that they weren't superheroes and if that didn't work then they were going to have to be killed so in this fight scene in the driveway all three of the superheroes die. And we learn that like uh, Sarah Paulson has completed her mission. You know, she couldn't convince them that they weren't superheroes, but now they're dead. And so now the world won't know that superheroes actually exist until (laughs) plot twist number three. Well, this is the great part because I mean, this film is called glass. So not only is that parallel with the fact that we've had unbreakable and we've had split. And now this is Samuel L. Jackson's vehicle. But it is like it gives it away like we all should have known like if Samuel L. Jackson is the character this movie is like is dedicated to and his role in his superhero universe that he's conspired to make is that of a mastermind. Then we should have known that he would always win. And so he was trying to throw everyone off by saying, oh, yeah, we have to have a showdown on the skyscraper. I'm going to kill everyone. You guys all have to stop me or help me or whatever, because I'm pulling the strings. 
but then he dies and um sarah paulson thinks she's one and then you realize like wait he did he was the mastermind he did fit this trope he actually did pull a lot of behind the scenes strings to make something bigger happen than he ever announced he was trying to you know well and the big thing is that he had cameras rolling the whole time and live streamed (laughs) basically the fight so that even though she thinks that she's covering it up by killing them, everybody can see the video mm-hmm. and know that there actually are superheroes the whole time. Yes. Which is interesting because one of the twists you failed to mention and one of the most important ones is the first one where you find out that the hose, the horde, Kevin, his dad died oh, yes. in the train crash that Glass had made happen in Unbreakable, thus proving he made a superhero and a supervillain because that set off a series of events that led to Kevin being more abused, which led to his split personalities, which led to the beast being created. And so he truly was like this instigator for all this action well yeah because for those who haven't seen unbreakable basically the plot Mm -hmm. is that bruce willis character is on this train (laughs) that crashes and he survives unharmed even though all everybody else is dead and you find out at the end of the movie that mr glass actually has been like wreaking havoc throughout the world trying to find a superhero by like doing mass killings and hoping that someone would survive them But then in this movie, Mm -hmm. you realize that actually James McAvoy's dad was also on the thing. And that's, yeah, like you said. And so now the whole series has been called the East Rail 177 Trilogy, (laughs) just to tie it all together. Snappy. Yeah. And I mean, that's what's interesting about the finale, which I agree. Like, I think the ending took a little a little while to wrap up and there was a lot going on and a lot of like scenes that needed it was like seven false endings basically yeah as like one twist after the other happened but it's interesting because i mean glass's whole idea is that if you push someone to see something like if you if you force this event then it'll draw out the superhuman tendencies that have evolved in humans and so he's trying to fish out who's there and he thinks that seeing these superheroic acts will then instigate more superheroes to come out. So it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the reason he streamed it, right? It's not just so people know what he did or what he found. It's so that more people will like get that itch and realize that they have superhero powers too. Right. So I think (laughs) that my big issue, so Rob, your husband's issue with the movie, and then Mm -hmm. now sort of more my issue (laughs) of the movie, is that it's just like so, there's so many weird plot holes and things that are utterly unrealistic. And yes, it's a superhero movie. So like, obviously, there's going to be some of those. But it's like, how did the cops find them in the first place? How did they get this giant light out there in the courtyard to like freeze the beast? And then the hospital that they're taken to has like one person who's on guard the whole night <laughs> and and seemingly like really no patients or staff to speak right. of despite the fact that it's this huge building <laughs> well it's just the one wing right like they explain that too is it's the wing to treat these people with the superhuman superhero 
like issues, right? So it's just a single wing well, with two but, nurses, but, a security but guard. But even the wing, like how, like that has to be right. small because their rooms are so are across <laughs> from each other. They can see each other when they open the doors. And then also, yeah. Um, now I'm losing my train of thought. There's so many. There's so many problems <laughs> well, with this movie. Good. Uh, I mean, yeah. No, it was definitely like the craziest stuff to me was like seeing how the psychiatric unit was used because it's like a nurse could just leave at the end of his shift and not need to wait for a replacement and doors seem to be unlocked and like, and glass could get out even though he was supposed to be like comatose, but no one seemed really shocked that he managed to wheel himself around every now and then. And then he had glass in his room, which is just a huge no, no. And there's a syringe in in the hordes room, which is also like a no, no. So it's just like, there were things that were definitely (laughs) oversight on that. That would never fly in a psychiatric hospital. So here is a theory that I have that I've come up with that I have (laughs) not been able to find online. But I think ties this movie together and makes sense of a lot of these plot holes if this is actually what the situation is. So another weird thing is that supposedly Sarah Paulson has been like granted by the government access to these people, <laughs> but only for three days. And if she can't, yeah. it's just like a weird premise. But I was thinking, what if the government is not involved in any of this? And the whole thing is just the Illuminati, like, or the weird society that yeah. she's in, like that they find them, that they have this building that they put them in. That's why there's not very much staff or other patients. And that's why Sarah Paulson can kind of do whatever she wants. That's why the rules of the building are like not up to code. <laughs> and then that's yeah. why they can, that's how they end up escaping or whatever. And why the police is like such a lame force right. in the second half and why they just kind of hang around while they kill these people is because <laughs> the police aren't involved at all. It's actually just the Illuminati members. Yeah, look at you. You just patched that hole right up. It was just like, you must be a fan, you know? Right, but like there's no, <laughs> like somebody should have said that in the movie right. that that's what was happening. Because yeah. I think that would have tied everything I mean, together. Yeah, right. Because there are like a couple, like, you know, the cops who come at the last showdown actually do work for Sarah Paulson because they have the same tattoo and that's how you find out. So it would have been helpful to like have some Easter eggs that would kind of assure us that he wasn't just having major oversights because otherwise it's like, like having the glass picture frames in Glass's room just so he could do this really, what I thought was a pretty epic kill slash reveal that he had a lot more going on inside than we thought it just like it just seems like he just was lazy about like well i want him to slit this guy's throat with a piece of glass so i have to have glass in the bedroom somehow so who cares like let's just put glass picture frames and i'm like well i wish he had shown like a little more attention to detail but it was also like just fun and campy enough for me that i was willing to go along with a lot of the a lot of leaps of logic you know i mean there's like a whole sequence where glass breaks out <laughs> the horn and they just walk out past a security guard. Oh, yeah. He's dressed up in a nurse's outfit. And it's like, what kind of security guard are you that you're not wondering how this person who didn't enter is now leaving? So it's like that guard should have been like a spy or bought by glass or something, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there could have been some easy well, or it's not an actual <laughs> hospital worker or a guard it's right. a member of this weird society which i think ties everything but then they'd still want but then i mean if it was a member of the society then it would have been in their best interest to stop them because 
she didn't want it getting out of hand and she had to convince them they weren't superheroes. Maybe it was Jedi mind tricks. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> yeah, it's right. Republic Maybe credits will do. Extra. <laughs> because, yeah. because one of Kevin Wendell Crumb's split personalities is Qui-Gon Jinn. And, and he has oh, the Jedi Force yeah, powers. Yeah, the secret 28th. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, I think this is a good point to talk about the acting in the film because I think that's one thing that people have had a lot of criticism slash um, praise for. And that is that the only good thing in this movie is James McAvoy. And I wonder if you agree with that or if you just thought all of them were bad. Well, I mean, I'm clearly <laughs> going to say that Bruce Willis was a good actor because he's great. No, and I love him. Um, no I saw, way. He, Are you he's serious? He's the best actor in the film. That's, un, that's undeniable. No. You're he, trolling No, me. I would never. Um, oh my gosh. James McAvoy for me, like Split, I felt like was a the real showcase case of him as these characters and he had to like switch back and forth between them and they were sort of recognizable in split where like you could tell that he was going back and forth between them in this one Mm -hmm. i think they like added some new personalities in there and because he's not the main character you're seeing them less and i feel like it was a lot less impressive it was a lot more like let me do some characters and a lot less of uh like actual switching between them because in the first one there was some cool Hmm. scenes where like he would like be having conversations with himself or you know or like having to be in multiple characters like switching back and forth rapidly where this one it's like okay we're gonna film a scene where you are the like old british woman okay now we're gonna film a completely different scene where you're the guy with ocd okay now you're the one with like it's still sort of (laughs) impressive but i feel like not as impressive (laughs) you're not into it i I think it's, I disagree. I mean, James McAvoy was given top billing in this film because he's in it so much and he's sort of the important piece of it. And I think he does a really good job of doing like rapid fire switching because it happens like, I mean, spoiler alert again, when he dies, he's doing like a rapid fire. Um, I feel like I remember multiple points, but I think it's been, he's the most fun to watch, especially in this movie, because Mr. Glass is a comatose for like the first 160 minutes, I think, and then suddenly snaps to action. And Bruce Willis doesn't do anything in this movie. Uh, he it's breaks like- down a door, Shelby. He breaks <laughs> down a door. Yeah, but he does it without showing any emotion it's like he just rolled out of bed and it's like i guess i have to do this he's indestructible else going on what else does he (laughs) have to do my gosh (laughs) he's just like he should be surprised to see mr glass who like i mean ruined his life and you know he should show some emotion when things start to go awry but he's just like so here's an, here's you know it's just like I'm a robot. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. Moving on. I don't know if I've lived in New York too long, but I felt like there were several of <laughs> James McAvoy's characters that I was like, this is offensive. Like this is like a stereotype. <laughs> At one point, he was like a gay person and acted a certain way. At one point, he was like he was like an Asian art curator, like definitely doing the like stereotypical Asian. Per- like I was, I felt uncomfortable by it. Really, I don't even remember though. I thought he was a woman when he was being all... I don't remember... 
Like, I remember him being like a sexy woman at one point, but I don't remember some sort of gay stereotype. Yeah, it's his, it's Barry. That's the, that's, I have, I have a list of all of their names here. <laughs> there's Jay, list. the diabetic teenager. <laughs> there's Hedwig, the nine-year-old boy. There's Patricia, the old right. British nanny. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie and Split and honestly Unbreakable suffers from a lack of maybe political correctness, especially in how it presents you know, mental disorders and well, this isn't a disorder. And- it's a superhero. It's a superpower. Right. <laughs> so that's how they get around. Yeah, that. exactly. So I'm sure on the same level, it's like, oh well, this is what he believes, and as a man who doesn't, who isn't actually Asian, who isn't actually gay, this is how he would present this. So it's sort of like, you know, I can see them excusing that in the same way. They're like, oh, Split isn't saying that trauma will make you a psychotic killer and that that's you know will protect you later i mean it's just like whatever cool movie and so i think also here it's like oh psychiatrists are actually all evil and they're all they don't see the full picture of like what you need and they're trying to squash an important part of you you know so i think there's room for so what i'm hearing you say criticism. is that this movie's not that good <laughs> i feel like that's what i'm no. hearing from you okay well this is the thing this is the okay. thing okay so okay. i think i recognize its flaws But I also like suffering from superhero burnout. I'm glad to see how he took this. And I think a lot of people had issues with like how meta he went. He was constantly pandering Mm -hmm. and he was like very patronizing about like, do you know what a supervillain is? And like, there was a lot that felt sort of like he didn't think people knew what superheroes were or superhero tropes were. And he had to constantly explain. But I think it ended up working for me. Just because, like, we're, like, trained to want these action sequences and big showdowns and high stakes. And the excitement of this movie, which people were annoyed by, is just that the amount of talking and the amount of philosophizing and the amount of the way Sarah Paulson was just like, you're not really super. And I thought what was great is that we went into this movie knowing that they were superheroes because we had either seen or knew of Unbreakable and Split. Yes. And so we, like, knew that they had superpowers. And so people were like, why is Shyamalan making us sit here trying to convince us that they're not superheroes? And I thought that was the main tension of the film for me was like having to watch them like navigate a world that was telling them they shouldn't exist or that they're crazy. And I think it's like, it really speaks to this idea that we all have these big visions of grandeur and like these characters, you know, the horde wants to destroy like so much of civilization, the overseer, like, Bruce Willis wants to show his powers and be able to save people. And then Glass wants to be seen as the mastermind. And they're all just these egomaniacal, like good and bad. But they're not ever allowed to get there because they're forced into this reality that they don't actually have that much control over. Mm. And like there's a lot of unseen forces at hand. And it's like, I just thought it was a really interesting way to spin the narrative because we as an audience were the ones who were like, oh, yeah, they're super. They're super. Why aren't they getting to stretch their legs? Why aren't they getting to do this? But they never are allowed to because, <laughs> I don't know, it's just like there's just this force holding them back. There's this force stopping them. And it's like 
frustrating to watch, but it's also very interesting to see them flex under those sort of tensions. You know? I will say this. I would rather watch this movie again <laughs> than go see Captain Marvel, which I'm going to have to go do. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, kudos yeah. kudos to this movie for, yeah. for, for being a superhero movie that is somewhat interesting. And it does include <laughs> a terrible wig on Sarah Paulson. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the wig on the on the mom of Samuel oh, L. Jackson, well, okay. who I think is only like yeah. <laughs> five years older than Well, because <laughs> here's the thing with that is that she is only in flashbacks in Unbreakable. So in the oh. flashbacks, well, and, and this is another interesting thing that I learned. You know the like tilt-a-whirl scene in this movie? Yeah. That was actually filmed for Unbreakable and then they, they scrapped it. So that's like the same kid oh, that's in Unbreakable and the mom like at the same age, um, but they cut it from Cute. that movie for whatever reason. But yeah, so the mom is is only, you know, was only like uh, like in her 30s or whatever when that was filmed. But yeah. <laughs> but, Sam, but it's because it's in the flashback. So now that she's in this movie, she's supposed sense. to be like 90 and has like real. <laughs> I was wondering what was going real on with makeup. her face the whole time. I was like, is this black, yeah. <laughs> bad plastic surgery or like what's going on? But no, it's just a prosthetic. <laughs> it's just makeup. Yeah. But also yeah, really bad. I wanted to talk before we finished about the M. Night Shyamalan cameo. Because M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> has this weird thing where on top of thinking he's like an amazing director and like comes up with the sickest twists and they're just like so clever. Yeah, he also thinks so that he clever. is a phenomenal actor. And so he's given himself like very juicy roles in a lot of his movies. Like he has a big role in Signs. He has a big role in um, uh, Lady in Water. Um, mm-hmm. and he has a role in Unbreakable where he's like <laughs> the kind of skeezy drug dealer that Bruce Willis like bumps into at one point in the movie and like sees his past or whatever how he's doing drugs so then in this movie he's awkwardly forces himself into some weird scene at the beginning <laughs> where he's come to Bruce Willis's like Radio Shack hidden camera <laughs> store and is basically gives this weird monologue that's like yeah i used to work down at the baseball stadium where you saw me in in unbreakable but now i don't work there anymore <laughs> and i was a bad guy but then i wasn't and also i if you don't yeah, remember i was in a split where i was like a security <laughs> guard for an old lady's house so i don't do that anymore either i'm like starting my own business it's like Dude, nobody cares. Nobody nobody yeah. was like, you know which character from Unbreakable yeah. I can't wait to see? M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> as the drug dealer at the baseball game. Like, no. You can just scrap right. this. Like, nobody needs this from you. Yeah. I think he's just a little yeah, indulgent but- in, in, in all of he it. He is. He is. I mean, he always has been. And I mean, even in Lady in the Water, I think the entire plot revolves around a writer who feels like he can't write anymore because the critics are too mean. And it turns out he has to because one day he'll save a kid's life, I think. Isn't no, that he'll the... save the whole future. He's going to write he's going to write something <laughs> that a child is going to read and then the child yeah. is going to like become yeah. like president and save the world. But <laughs> because his writing is like, you know, has crazy ideas in it, the writer is going to be killed at some point. And you yeah. know, that's like just his cross to bear because he's yeah. just so brilliant, has exactly. things to say. And that's that's how M. Night Shyamalan views glass. That's his. <laughs> that's his Otis. It's gonna save the world. Oh no! I day. thought that was the visit. I thought the visit was gonna <laughs> save the world. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I it's guess. me, Grandma. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So would you say that glass is uh, half full or uh, half empty? <laughs> oh, how many reviews did you read that in before you came up? So many. It was just that's all the jokes they could make. It was like, oh, is this is shattered or like, oh, the glass is underwhelming and breaks. And it's just like bad. Lots of bad puns for this one. They had a lot of fun. I mean, there it's it's easily within reach. So it's, it's hard right to, yeah, yeah, it's hard not to. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would say that the glass probably is half full on this movie, but in the like now, later, <laughs> never of it all, I would say unless yeah. you just are like a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan and just love <laughs> Split and Unbreakable. Are there, are there any of those I don't. Yeah. Well, maybe M. Night. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's a big fan of himself. I would say this is a later movie. Like you can wa- watch this on cable, yeah. like watch this, like rent it sometime. Yeah. Like you don't need to pay to see this in theaters. I would agree. I think it's, it's fun, but it'll be just as fun sitting on your couch when it inevitably ends up on Netflix. So yes, yes. Probably like within a couple of weeks, I would imagine. <laughs> Although this has, it's still doing yeah. well. It's still raking in money. It's still number one at the box office. Not that there's a lot of competition, but still, I mean, okay. it's for 20 minutes, million dollar budget it's already made 162 million dollars so i mean like kudos on him yeah. you can tell that this movie is cheaply made though that like water tank <laughs> outside of that of the is one is such bad cg the whole time i was like oh you that are tarp. such a critic oh my goodness Jeez, what happened to the happy-go-lucky guy I sat in the theater with and skipped out? And we both were like, oh, my goodness, I loved that movie. What a fun time. It's top of my 2019 list. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like I'm sort of hungry right now. And so maybe I'm like getting hangry. And I and, and I was in a real good mood down in Texas because I was on vacation. I was just eating constantly. Right. So yeah. it could have skewed oh, yeah, my yeah, view yeah. a that little bit. That makes a difference. Like, where yeah. did we eat so before if you watch that? This it was movie, Eat. Yes. <laughs> Get candy. That's the secret. Oh, well, that's a good discussion. And you know, who would have thought that three weeks later, Glass still would be relevant? So, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad we got to talk about it. it. Glass was the January movie. I mean, like, was there even anything <laughs> yeah, else that came out there, in January? That's all there was. Yeah, no. But um, do you have something you loved or maybe something you hated more than this? I have something that I loved. So, oh, okay. I know. In, in, now that Oscar <laughs> nominations are out, I'm like trying to cl- clean up the rest of the movies that I like have been right. needing to see. And so I dipped into one of the documentaries this week that's available on Hulu. So you can watch it there. It's pretty easy. Called Minding the Gap. And it's like a skateboard documentary. Yeah. And I had seen mid-90s earlier this year, which... <laughs> was Jonah Hill's skateboard movie, which was like, "Eh, uh, uh, whatever. So I wasn't necessarily in a hurry to see this, although I had heard that it got really good reviews. But I really loved it. It follows the the guy who made the documentary. His name is Bing Liu, and he is from Rockford, Illinois, which is sort of like a sad like dying town in Illinois. And he grew up and like was a skateboarder there and, you know, filmed all the time as skateboarders do sometimes and he had like two friends who were in the skate park with him that he also filmed and then sort of later on as he 
went to school and actually decided that he wanted to make a living, like making documentaries, he sort of went back and followed these two skateboarders and like more extensively as they got older and as they grew up. So it's a really Mm -hmm. cool film because it not only has footage of these kids when they're like younger, but it also has then footage of them like as adults as they're grappling with a lot more heavy stuff than just skateboarding. You know, it like is dealing with them. One of them becomes a dad and like how he treats his children. You know, they're like looking for work. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives. And also another big arc of the movie is about like abuse and how all three of them had been Mm -hmm. abused as children and then as they're getting older the one who has a child doesn't abuse his child but like is abusive towards his wife and so really just looks at that like spoiler alert well i think it's pretty you get (laughs) that's pretty early on in the documentary it's not like a twist okay but yeah but it really deals with like these cycles and patterns of like living and and if you grow up in these lower class areas and there's not a lot of people and support for you trying to like push you out of there's kind of like how you end up reliving these cycles even if you really don't want to and i just found it really moving Hmm. and i thought that it could have been easily been one of those movies it's like look at these horrible people who are like right you know (laughs) like these like down and out like white trash kind of people but because man who is making the documentary like comes from this background and these are people that he's friends with i think it does a really good job of like painting them humanly and showing their like negative qualities but also their more positive qualities or at least making them sympathetic people to watch their story and i don't know i it's not very long and it's and there's a lot of like fun, funny parts to it as well because they are skateboarders and, you know, they're doing like crazy stuff. And the skateboarding scenes are beautiful, but then also there's a lot of heart to it as well. So it's definitely worth checking yeah, out. Yeah, I've heard about it. I know. I want to. I'm glad it's on Hulu because that makes it easy. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm going to take another one of your recommendations. Oh, my so gosh. It's time you start stepping up. Well, I wa- <laughs> I almost was going to bring up the fact that I'm watching Shit's Creek now, which was a recommendation <gasps> of yours. Oh, yeah. But I'm only right. like partway through the first season. So I didn't. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'll save this well, for later. Save it. Yeah. Save it. Savor it. Yes. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, But I have something I love, too because i'm just super positive this episode oh my gosh um, who are you are you this... did, did something happen to you in <laughs> yeah. like between the last yeah. week i don't i know it's shocking it's yes. just the new year new me oh so, my gosh um, <laughs> um this is exciting hot off the presses netflix released a new original series and it's called kingdom it's from korea and it is a period piece zombie show and I kid you not, what? like it is super good. I have yes. never heard of this. Well, it came out this week. It came oh, okay. out on the 25th. And it's in six Korean. episodes. Yes, it is. But honestly, okay. So the plot line is, uh, so it's set in like ancient Asia. <laughs> Just a general kingdom. And so this prince starts to feel like his dad, the crown prince hasn't been able to get in touch with his dad and he's worried that his dad's wife and her family have kind of taken over the leadership of the kingdom and they won't let him anywhere near his dad. And so he starts to think his dad might have died or is no longer capable of leading. And so he 
begins to try and take control of the throne, which makes his da- his stepmom's family very angry and they decide to kill him. But simultaneously, his dad has been taken by this disease that makes you you know, crave human flesh and make zombies. And so through a series of like strangely believable and very frustrating events, this disease spreads and it is this show is very gruesome, which is not usually my cup of tea, but it is such a well done show and it's such an interesting storyline. And the fact that it's a zombie flick that's done in this period piece setting is really interesting and it kind of changes like the usual you know, tropes you see in zombie flicks and it kind of, it really works in a really interesting way and it makes the stakes even like higher because the interesting thing about these zombies is they only come out at night and when the sun comes out, they just go like burrow into little corners and dark hiding places. And so it's interesting because it gives you this like break, but you're also not allowed to like, you can't really take them on because they're like buried in places you can't always find them. So, and it spreads quickly and they just don't have the manpower to kind of take it on. And so it's been very interesting to watch. It's only six episodes, but it is beautifully shot. The costuming, the sets, the cinematography is stunning. And this show has been trying to get made in Korea since like 2011, but it was too violent for Korean networks. So when Netflix came on board, they like finally got to make it and it's already been renewed for a second season. It is really interesting to watch and the characters are interesting but it's definitely like story driven I guess but in a really intelligent way like it's very clever and smart and original and I just I can't recommend it enough like it's really good it sounds like zombies meets Westworld which I'm excited about (laughs) yeah except no technology really old school and there's this like theme of like hunger for power hunger for flesh hunger for these peasants who can't like get respected in their own country so it's all like really interesting and like fun but also strangely thought-provoking and Mm -hmm. the politics of this of this like period piece is also interesting the costuming it's all just like very new and fun and kind of a reminder that netflix is capable of making like of funding and finding and making good things yeah and i think it was just if you like zombies it's really a great horror show if you like in smart tv or a quick binge like it it just fits the bill across the board it's weird though because i am instead watching a different hunger theme netflix <laughs> show insatiable which i heard was really good oh no so should i just stick with that no 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 but burn it burn it delete it get rid of it reject it this is actually good stuff and it it's like Obviously, I, I heard some- Insatiable was renewed for season two. <laughs> yeah, she's lost about even more Kingdom, weight. Though the thing about Kingdom is, um, is so we watch it with subtitles on. They do do English dubbing, but I just oh, think I that's hate that. more annoying to watch. Oh uh, yeah. So you do kind of have to watch carefully because obviously you have to read along with everything. Mm-hmm. But it still is a very fast watch, and we binged it in like a couple days because it's just really delightful. <laughs> Well, that sounds like it's right up my alley. I'm due yes. to get sick here probably before long, and then I'll have plenty <laughs> right, of time right, to just right, lay right. around and watch stuff. So yes. I'll put this on the top of my when I get the flu viewing list. 
<laughs> Perfect. I'll take it. Uh, well, I think that is all for this episode. I'm not sure what we're doing next week, but we'll be back with something and it will be great. Yes. So get hyped. For sure. And we have the Oscars to look forward to. So we're going to do a giveaway slash Oscar pool slash contest where you'll be able to put in your predictions for the Oscar wins and whoever gets the best score will win a prize. So look out for that announcement. Oh my gosh. Mm. Am I eligible yeah. to win? Because I feel like I'm, no. I'm good competition. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If you win, yeah. We'll if see. I win, we'll the see. second place gets a prize. So you can all try for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds good. But something to look forward to. Yeah. So follow us on social media. P.S. You're wrong. Be on the lookout for our competition coming up. Um, <laughs> and otherwise, we'll be back next week. So see you guys later. Bye. Bye.